0: Them and me.
1: I love that.
2: You and the 85-year-old women. Yeah, because they're all trying to burn off their flash. So, no, it's all good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Okay. Recording has started. Are we all ready? Everybody got a drink. Everybody's relaxed, ready to go. You got your pee pad, G-Rex, G-Rex, Dirty Skittles, and Andrew's going by Andrew, right?
0: Yeah, it can be me. Yay!
1: All right, do you want to do
2: the intro or do you want me to do it? Go for it. Okay, you ready? Yep. Three, two, one. <music> Welcome back to another episode of Shit It Goes On Your Hands. Tonight, we have an amazing guest. We have Andrew. Welcome, Andrew. And my very special co-host,
1: Bernie <laughs> Very special. I like that. You're, you are special.
0: <laughs> so it is a pleasure to be here with you all.
1: Yeah, Appreciate welcome. It. So, Bermuda. You're calling us from Bermuda, which is wild, first of all. I have to reiterate, because in my mind, Bermuda is like this mysterious place that nobody lives.
0: It's just a triangle that ships disappear. <laughs> yeah, it- <laughs> I did have this conversation with my wife a little while ago, and she's English, so maybe it was slightly different for her, For her, but there was no point in my life that my life plan included living in Bermuda. <laughs> There's any vision of myself growing up in Birmingham, Alabama, Greenville, North Carolina. I'm like, you know what? One day I'm going to live in Bermuda. That was even to the point when we ended up here, as I explained to people, we're entering our fourth year of a one-month visit. So this was not like a <laughs> well-planned adventure that we have.
1: Yeah. So what brought you to Bermuda? Let's start there.
0: Yeah. So as I mentioned, my wife's English. And a lot of people, if if you didn't have if you're not British and didn't have British family, you wouldn't know. But in when COVID hit, we closed the borders to Brits. If you were from France or Italy, like you would come in if you did test, but Brits, for some reason, we said, Nope, you're not allowed in our (laughs) country. And so our family couldn't visit us. And with traveling, we had a young child. We didn't feel comfortable flying over there. It wasn't the easiest to do. But Bermuda became this clearinghouse that both of us could travel here. And my wife's father, my father-in-law's best friend, married a Bermudian 40 years ago. They grew up with their kids and everything. This was a place that they would come on vacation. And because there was no travel, they said, hey, we have this house. We normally rent on Airbnb. It's empty. Would you like to come stay for a month and, and see each other? So my wife forwards me this email and says, hey, let's talk about this tonight, see if we can make it work. And I forwarded her the email from Delta and said, there's nothing to discuss. These are the flights. We are going to take the Uh free house. And so we came and then five days in, we're walking to lunch. You're looking at these gorgeous colors. We're with family. We're with friends. Everything's amazing. We said, there's a digital nomad program. If we're not going to the office, could we not go to the office here instead of there? And let's try it. So let's see our families for Christmas and do that. And then it just kept extending and extending, and yeah. Now we just signed another year on our lease, so nice. we're going for a while longer.
1: That's awesome. What is it like living in Bermuda? Because is it just like tropical life, or is it completely different vibe? Yeah, it is.
0: So it's funny because the things that I loved initially and that I miss changed. So initially, I was a swimmer, right? I'm doing this underwater, and. The fact that I could just swim in the ocean every day. I was like, that's 100% the best thing about it. And people say, what do you miss? I I really miss how easy everything is in the US, right? Everything's on our phone. We push a button. We get whatever we want, whenever we want. You just push a button and you do it. You come to an island and you're on island time. So you can't have a car. If you aren't living in Bermuda, you can't have a car. So tourists coming, anybody like that, you can't have a car. And so we were dependent on the public bus system. And they strike 10, 20, maybe more percent of the time. Oh. And so you're trying to get your daughter to preschool or trying to get around and you'd wait and maybe the bus would come or maybe they're on strike that day or maybe they decided to have a meeting and there are no buses for four or five hours, but they didn't tell anybody. Wow. And so at first that got me really frustrated. And then I realized, wait, I could just reframe this time, right? Like that year, I, it wasn't an accident. That year I ended up reading or listening to more than 200 books. It's like, wait, this isn't dead time. This could be time I could be learning. Let me just make sure I always have stuff that I can invest in to do this. And it made me get on a much more selfless, human-paced way of life. Mm. Living in the US where everything was a button away, it was a very selfish existence, right? Like My Nest thermostat, the temperature was always exactly what I wanted. The music was always exactly what I wanted to have because if the Sonos would play my anything, I want this, Amazon, get it to me in 10 minutes. Everything was built around me. And then coming here, you're saying, hey, no, I'm just one of the culture. I got to fit in. I got to fit in and flow with what's going on. And there was the part of the life and then the other part of just swimming in the ocean. Instead of swimming in a city in a pool, very clear rules going back and forth. And early on, I'd find myself and I'm fighting the waves like, oh, it's so frustrating and the weather. And then I think, man, I'm just lucky to be here. I'm not going to influence the waves. Why don't I just appreciate this and just flow with it? Just recognize what it is. And the swimming got so much easier. Instead (laughs) of fighting the wave, I just ride with the wave and it's a totally different feeling. And so, I don't know, that's a super long-winded way to to say it all changed with time of i what i found frustrating i now find wow i think i'm a better person because of that uh, yeah
1: that's huge actually just hearing you say instead of swimming against it and fighting the waves that's metaphorical like it's i can relate to that in my life and i don't live in bermuda so yeah so how that mindset wasn't always there right like you you developed that so where did you start before bermuda like where when you were fighting the waves metaphorically up uh, Elsewhere. What was life like yeah. for you then?
0: So much of life is pushing against things, right? And fighting against things, including I was an entrepreneur, I had a company, and you're fighting against this pandemic that's shutting down travel and, and what you can do. And so it's this ongoing gift of humility that life <laughs> gives us <laughs> of you think you have it in control. You're like, okay, yeah, I got all my stuff. To- I-, I got all my shit together. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And then boom, a wave splash you in the face. Whether it's COVID or something happens at work or it's layoffs, like whatever's going on, you think you have everything. I- I've fixed it. I've solved it. Boom, slap in the face. And it's just that breath of that, not breath, but that, that splash of cold water is wake up and say, wait, you are just this little piece in this huge ocean. You're this little piece in this huge universe. And you don't get a control. You can adapt with what's going on and pay attention to what's going on. But the only thing you fully control is your mindset and how you are reacting to these things. And so being more adaptable versus trying to build the perfect system, the system of adaptability is what builds that resilience. And so if you can have, for me, and it's not perfect at this, right? Every <laughs> now and then you get in the face. Say, oh, no, I thought I was good on, them. I got this, thank you for this wonderful reminder that I'm not, but yeah, I, I had this conversation, I think last week, a friend had just had a newborn child he had older kids like in college and just had new marriage, new child. And I was like, yeah, I, I just remember those early days. Like you'd get to this point and your child would sleep through the night and then they would do it two or three nights. Like we figured out, we hacked the system. The
1: system yeah. It's it. We're set now.
0: And then <laughs> all blows up. <laughs> it just, yeah. It's like, it just like, what a wonderful way to help you realize how little control you have. You can influence things, but how little control you ultimately have. And instead of seeing it, I think for a lot of my life, I, I'd see it as frustrating and fighting. And now I'd say, wow, okay, this is a real gift. Right? This gift of humility. Thank you. Thank you for just <laughs> up to the reality that is my life.
1: Man, that's admirable. I don't know. <laughs> I definitely haven't mastered that.
0: Oh, I haven't mastered it. Let's be clear. Not, my wife reminds me all the time. I have not mastered it, but I was all the way in at one end of the spectrum as a teenager, early 20s, right? And so it's just been, can I keep edging over as I go?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I haven't mastered that either.
1: <laughs> We're trying every day, no, though.
2: I, I'm trying, but
1: I'm certainly not a master at it. Yeah, so you you mentioned that you built an app.
0: Uh, yeah, I have a around the book, actually, a GPT that I built for that. So out of the book, you can listen to a podcast, you can go to a talk, you can read a book, whatever it is. And you feel great. This, ah, oh my God. Okay. It it makes sense. Enlightenment has hit me. And then you go to sleep and you wake up the next day and it looks just like yesterday and and nothing. (laughs) And so with the book, I really very deliberately tried to put in tactical exercises, worksheets, all these pieces to say, this is work. Our, Our biology, when all of us are saying, hey, we're not masters of that. It, we intellectually know what the answer is. We understand, but we can't do it 100% of the time. And it's because our biology is against us. It's the same with nutrition, right? Our biology is against us. Our biology loves butter and sugar. Like it tastes delicious. It does. Our biology <laughs> wants us to know that is delicious. We need those high caloric density things because that's what kept us alive 250,000 years ago. Now that we can go get boxes a little Debbie Cakes, get 20 boxes for 10 bucks, <laughs> that's not helping us any. That's not a good thing for us, to, Yeah, our biology is working against us. And so we have to deliberately think about what we eat. Mm-hmm. We're, when we're out just like trying to stay alive and eat whatever we can find. We didn't have to worry about that. Now we have to actually actively work against our biology. Same on fitness. Mm-hmm. When we were out having to go hunt and walk and constantly find... We don't have to worry about going to the gym. Like, how much are you squatting, bro? That was not a thing (laughs) (laughs) Neanderthal was talking about. They just went and did it, right? But now we sit on a desk all day and you have to think about, okay, what am I doing to get that movement and to try to to get that in my body? And it's the same with our mindset. The the mental processes baked in to our minds totally kept us alive for 250,000 years. They were great. We just don't live in that world anymore. And so the things that kept us alive are now positioning us to be really unhappy in so many ways. And we can't just intellectually know it. Oh, intellectually, I know butter and sugar are bad. That's not going to make them stop del- stop being delicious and me stop craving them. Just knowing that's not going to stop that. And it's the same with the mental processes. Just because we intellectually know it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect as soon as we realize that. It's ongoing work. We don't go eat really healthy food for a month or a year and be like, okay, I'm set for the rest of life because I did that thing. (laughs) Or go to the gym for a day, a week, a month, a year and say, okay, I'm good. I don't ever need to do any kind of movement again or stretch. Like I'm I'm set for the rest of my life. But a lot of times we think, oh, this one book or this one workshop or this one thing, like magically my mind will be like, no, you still have the mind. (laughs) of a neanderthal like we've not really the brain itself is not necessarily evolved. Well. we've learned a lot but the biology is still what it was so long ago and so we have to do the work just like we would in the gym or in the kitchen or wherever it is
1: yeah i it, it's funny you say that because one thing that i've noticed about myself when i start a fitness routine i'm I do really good with challenges. I know that about me. So it's, if there's like a 30-day challenge, I'm fucking crushing it every time. Like I am going to crush it because I, I'm competitive. But as yeah. soon as I see the actual results, like I see physically I'm changing, I'm losing weight, I know about myself that I think, oh, that's it. I've done it. Like I'm there. Like I worked out, look at me. I got a muscle. <laughs> and then as soon as I get that thought, it's almost like I lay off of the work right because you feel at least i know for me i will feel like i have accomplished it but that's not true yeah
0: as soon as as you lay off your
1: back yeah
0: there's science behind it right and so we didn't know why that was so the we now know how dopamine cycle works the higher the spike you get the lower the trough and the longer that trough is going to be and so it's not an accident that michael phelps would get in the most trouble right after the olympics he'd have the highest (laughs) spike you could. Anybody could ever have. You set all sorts of records, you're the most cool. Then you'd have this huge fall-off and he'd be in real depression for and he's not alone. It's very common for Olympians, for gold medalists to to deal with that because you got that huge spike. And so when you think about two people starting running and someone's milestone driven, hey, I'm training for this marathon. I'm going to be a person that runs a marathon. And the other person gets up and says, you know what? I'm just going to, I like to just move each morning. I like to be out when the sun's up and I'm going to just start with 10 minutes and see how that feels. And each day I'm going to do it just till it feels good. I'm not delaying the gratification. I'm just like doing it to feel good each day. Marathon comes and goes. Who's more likely to get up the next morning? The person who had that huge spike, delay, 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 huge spike at the marathon, huge fall off for long versus, oh, I just got these little dopamine hits. It's each day it gets me going. And it's the same with oh man, I'm going back to my reunion or I'm going to this Mm -hmm. wedding. I want to lose weight. I need to lose this amount of weight. Versus the person said, you know what? When I eat french fries at lunch, I have a really hard time staying awake at my desk. (laughs) So instead, I'm always going to get the same vegetables. I'm just going to do that because I feel so much better the rest of the day. That's just going to be my lunch thing. I'm going to start doing that. Versus the person like, I got two months. I need to lose 15 pounds. My high school boyfriend's going to be so jealous, right? Mm Like whatever it is. Who, after the high school reunion, is more likely to stick on the plan and stay going? Right. And it's, it's again, it's, it's our biology. So it's, it's finding ways to say, okay, wait, I, I know what's wrong. Oh. How can I trick myself into getting the joy and the dopamine hits from these littler pieces that make it more sustainable? I also realized you asked about the app, and I never actually answered that. <laughs> <what
1: I'm> <laughs> I liked the direction this went into anyway, <laughs> so it's, it's totally fine.
0: Yeah. So the point being, so I had all the worksheets, the exercises in the workbook, you can yeah. download that website, but people love technology. So I created a GPT. So if you go to OpenAI and chat mm-hmm. GPT, I created one called Empire of the Mind. That's an entirely customized guide to take you through all this. So you come in and say, Hey, here's what I'm dealing with, or here's something I have a question, and it will guide you through every step that you need to do. Totally free. Just that's right really there.
1: interesting. Mm -hmm. that
2: is like super interesting. So like for me, I'm stuck in the middle. I'm trying to write a book. I have really bad writer's block right now. And it's about my experience where I was this time last year. I'm thinking that by the time Christmas rolls around this year, I'll probably be on the other side of it. And I can sit down and finish that book, but have a tool like that to just maybe put my mind in a different mindset. Yeah. That, that's what I need. I need a huge kick in the pants because <clears throat> I get set my own ways. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to give this done and then all that self-talk. Oh, yeah, we're not going anywhere. Oh.
0: Yeah, yeah. let me know. It's on there. Let me know if it's helpful. I'd, I'd love to get okay. I haven't really shared it much with the public yet because I'm still playing with it, but it's out there in the market. Yeah.
1: Okay. That's cool. That's cool to hop back because I remember... We all discussed before, just so the listeners are clear. We've had a meeting before. And I remember something that stuck with me that I wrote down was that you had this line that you said where you were questioning yourself and like just your, what brought you to where you are today, where you were asking what you were running to and what you were running from. Can you talk about that a little bit more?
0: Yeah. So this is actually, it's one of the specific exercises in the book. And, and it's what I found so useful is that so much so going back to the science, 47% of the time we're not thinking about what we're doing. We're thinking about something other than what we're doing. So we're only living in one time ever. And that's the present. The past is in our imagination. The future is we're imagining again, all in our head, but half of our life, we're not actually living in the present. We're missing out on half of life. And I would find myself always very rarely was it backward looking. It was always forward like. So when I would be in school. I'd plan out every single course I would take every other semester and get so excited. Oh my God, these classes are going to be so great. And then I'd get to that next semester and I'd do it all over again. And at some point I'm like, wait, I was so excited for this at some point. Why can't I just be in this and enjoy these classes that I'd picked out then instead of using the guide and going through and trying to just always look forward. And It would be practicing forward to the meet or school looking forward to the job or job looking forward to the promotion. Each thing, it was... Oh, let me kick it off. Let me kick it off in this future. And honestly, coming to, to Bermuda helped me realize that one, I, I people may find it more, but I actually have no idea how long I'll live. Like, I don't know. Will I definitely be here 10 years, 20 years, 30, 40? Like, putting off all these things, of, I will do all those things I want to do when I might never ever get one. Yeah. So, G Rex talking about like writing the book. I used to think, oh, yeah, once I sell a company, I do this. Like Then I can go be a writer. And then, wait, a writer? It's just someone who writes. What if I just crafted my days to make space to write, and I just start doing that now? What if, hey, I really love to swim. What if I just crafted my days to make sure I always have, even if it's only 15 minutes here or whatever, always have time to get that in. Oh, I really like to play with my daughter. What if I just make sure that for 90 minutes every night, my phone and computer in a totally different room, there's no way anybody, even if the world was burning down, they can't get to me mm-hmm. because she has my full attention. And Instead of waiting, oh, once this happens, then I can do those things, I just started thinking, instead of this label of, oh, at after acquisition or after retirement, started thinking, what are the things that I actually want? Instead of just putting this magical label like that is going to be the pie in the sky, what is it? Is it that I actually want from this? Let me get very tactical. And of those things, what can I start doing today? Because so much of the time, we put this label on it. And it becomes an excuse to not think through the details of what it looks like. And the tragedy is, we delay that joy. We delay the happiness. We delay the satisfaction, whatever it is, because we're saying we're going to get it when we get that promotion or whatever that thing is. And then we get it and it's not fulfilling at all. It didn't fill any void that we had before. And so then we just go chase the next thing. That's a label, but we never think through, what is it that I specifically think it is it's that's going to fill this void? And if you can do that and start creating it today, one, you can find out much faster, does that fill the void? Did that actually solve the problem? If not, okay, I need a new hypothesis, right? Let me, what is it that I actually am trying to run to and be very specific to get those in, and also run from, mm. right? If it's could be a relationship, could be your job, could be anything going on, and some of the stuff we talked about. Of I just I hate my job; it's so demotivating. Well, okay, well, do you hate your job? What is it you hate about your job? There's this one colleague that I have to meet with every Wednesday, and and you go through. And you're like, oh, so what you're saying is. Monday and Tuesday are good other than the dread you feel leading up to Wednesday. And you actually are enjoying a good amount of the stuff you're doing on Thursday and Friday, but you have that hangover from Wednesday of, I can't believe that person said that again, or we ended up in the same situation over, but all these other pieces are okay. So if you could change something about that and that interaction, is it a direct conversation? Is it getting out of that meeting? Is it, hey, I need to change groups because I actually like the mission of the company or whatever it is, but maybe there's something specific or a few specifics that you can start adjusting today to not say, Hey, I have to wait, or I have to change. I have to blow up everything. It's actually not everything. It's this 5% or this 10% thing. What can I change on that? Because I may actually really like this other 90%. Yeah.
1: There's one thing that I keep thinking of. So after we first spoke like of what we were going to talk about in this podcast, It resonated so much with me that I started to like, okay, you know what? There's truth here, right? Like why keep putting this stuff off or, you know, I think maybe other people can relate because you almost feel like the real passion or the thing that you want to do, you almost feel like you have to work really hard on this other shitty stuff to be able to deserve that, right? I got to put more time in at work. I can't afford to maybe just step off and do a passion project or whatever that case may be. But One thing that I noticed also that, at least for me personally, that keeps me putting it off or putting it off is, and I'm curious if you've ever felt this, is their fear to fail, right? Like the fear to fail what it is that you really want to do. If you take the steps to do it, what happens if it doesn't work?
0: Yeah.
1: Right? I'd be like, shit. (laughs) Back to the grind. You know what I mean? But. That's
2: how I felt about the podcast. Is is this going to work? Is this going to work? All the blood, sweat and tears that we put into it I, and look at pretty much everything that we wanted to do it's come to fruition. And the fact that yeah. people actually listen to us or even want to come
1: and be a guest. Yeah. For me, it, I'm like, it, it's almost either, I think it it might just be like a scare tactic almost. I feel like if I'm truly passionate about something, I know me and I'm not going to fail, but you still wonder because it's something so different.
0: Fail is a label that you give it. Yeah. Fail is a label. Right. There's no failure other than I I decided to call this failure. I decided to mm, call this failure. True. You get to decide what label you put on it. So it's the fear comes from aligning our identity too much to the outcome of something that is not us. And okay. saying, hey, my worth, my value is somehow tied to this thing that is outside of me i'm influencing i'm putting my work in and i'm afraid if i put too much of myself in and it fails then that's somehow a judgment of me yeah but we have to separate out one fail is only a label we can give it there are objective facts of this happened nobody downloaded okay was that a success was that a failure was that indifferent those are just labels we get to decide then what we call (laughs) like that is Separate from that that is not us. Mm. That is a did at a point in time, but it is not who we are as people. I, and look, this is one of those things that I can talk about intellectually, but it is terrifying. Yeah. It, I had a friend I swam with in college that would go in and, and do races and would lose and say, oh, it's fine. Cause I wasn't trying because he was so afraid that if he gave everything and still didn't win the race. What did that say about him? So his, it was always his fault. Oh, I wasn't really trying. Mm. And what is life if we're not really trying? Again, we, get <laughs> to this point. we don't know how long we're here. Why not really try? The, there's the old cliche is, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? The, the exercise I have in the book flips that on its head entirely. It says, what would you do? Even if you knew no one else would ever know, what would be worth doing for the doing itself? If no one would ever know anything about it, you couldn't get any credit for any of it. What would still be worth doing? What would still hold value for you in the doing? Those are the things to pursue. Not the, hey, I know I'm going to win. We'll get no joy from that. But the things that we enjoy the doing itself, that's what makes life worth living.
2: That's
1: so fucking
2: true. (laughs) Yes, this is so, oh man, Andrew, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm now my like brain is like all the synapses are like clicking
1: it's so fucking true though right and when you were asking those the first thing I thought of was this podcast because I we I maybe I don't want to speak for you but I know I agreed to do something like this because it's completely against my natural grain right I don't like to be vulnerable I don't like to open up to strangers right but I agreed to do it because I didn't think anyone would listen So it was that mentality of I have literally nothing to do, lose. Nobody's gonna ever know about it. And here we fucking are. (laughs) But there's there is such power in that of not thinking about what I have to lose or or if nobody was watching, what would I do? Because I would be like unstoppable, right? Like, I'd be like I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. It's going to make me happy, you know, within reason. I'm not breaking laws, but you know what I'm saying? like
0: Yeah, I mean, get you fulfilled, right? Like This is where you have to, the, the higher orders of emotions, right? There, there's a feeling of pure pleasure, right? And then, okay, if, if that's all we're going to do, we're just sitting here eating ho-hos and watching
2: porn. <laughs> that's right? not, it's basic. <laughs> a good
0: life is not full of fun, night, Right. right. That, that is not going to be a good life. <laughs> but you think of long-term joy, happiness, fulfillment, right. and saying, okay, I, the, the person that gets up and loves the running each morph, right? Like, look, no one's going to see me finish the fucking marathon and <laughs> wear the medal. I'm going to show everybody I ran the bus whatever it is. I'm out before anybody else is up there. It's dark. I'm going because I enjoy doing this. The podcast, whether anybody downloads it or not, you're like, me and T-Rex, we enjoy this conversation. We're learning so much. This is great. This is worth doing whether you people download it or not, I hope you find value for it from it, but I'm finding value regardless. Right, and This is what I'm going to do. And we get to decide the story we tell around the things. Everything else, they're just cold facts. Mm-hmm. And then we create the narrative that goes with it. It's
2: very true.
1: It's so true.
2: Dang. Man, like where were you in February when we hatched this scheme? <laughs> 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 like,
1: Yeah, let's just go with it. I love that. So I have a couple of deeper questions. I, oh, they're not really deep. They're they're just you know I call them my inside the actor studio questions.
0: Okay, okay, here we
1: go. G Rex knows. I, I they're a little different. They're a little different. Okay. Are oh, nice. they? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First question, Andrew. What is the best change you've made?
0: I would find myself. I, I'm generally I'm lucky in that my general kind of level is pretty optimistic, happy. But there'll be days I wake up, maybe a little rainier, a little cloudier, like everything's just a little more muted. Everything seems a little sad or whatever. And it seems like on those days, a lot of times, it's like I need to ponder all of life's difficult questions. (laughs) Everything that yesterday seemed fine. I'm not so sure in the light of today. Let me really dig in on this. And I live most of my life like that. Then I can't fall asleep at night because I'm pondering. And then like it goes in this spiral. And then at some point it clicked. I was like, wait a minute. I didn't sleep that last night. And I wonder if I thought about (laughs) these things on a good night's sleep, what I would think about. So let me write down all these things that I think are super important. Maybe it's tactical work issues. Maybe it's these big life questions. Let me just write them down. I'm going to get to them. Let me make sure when I do it, I'm well rested. So I'm coming with my best self. What I find is 90% of the time, I can throw the list away. The, none of it was relevant. It was all just, again, me getting in my head on these kind of grayer Saturdays. And sometimes the 10%, no, these are real things I need to work through. But you know what? I'm way more thoughtful and productive after a good night's sleep. So I used to just think there were all these things at play, but it turns out most of it was just sleep. It was just like getting <laughs> enough sleep solved solve so much of it. So for me, I... That I, I would say is the most relevant thing I've learned in the past like twelve to eighteen months.
1: Yeah. What about you, G-Rex?
2: Living in the moment. Instead of worrying about what's gonna happen tomorrow or an hour from now or what happened yesterday, living through what I have at this very moment and being grateful for everything I have.
1: Love that. I mimic that. I we just started, I say we. I really just started doing that recently. Like I would notice if I had 30 minutes with my son at the playground. Usually I pick him up from school. We'll go to the playground if he's had a good day. And I used to feel I got to be on my phone because if something at work happens. I need to be there. Like I felt guilty for taking 30 minutes, right? And so recently I just started. We're at the playground. My phone's in the car and I'm here with him in this moment. And so that's been helpful for me, for him. it's It's been great. Recommend. Okay, I highly recommend it. Next question. If anything in your life, Andrew, what is one thing you regret or wish you would have done differently?
0: Yeah, I think there's a meta answer of I'm really happy to be alive and be here. And obviously I'm a product of all that came before. So the not knowing if I, the Mr. Destiny, you change this one thing, everything else that could cascade from that. I don't think there's anything I would change. There's certain things I think I could have been happier sooner had I realized, oh, wait, other people aren't the prop. these kinds of things. But again, if I had done it sooner, would I have written this book? Would I have been able to help the number of people that I did help by having to go through that? And so you, you hear these things of people, the worst things people go through and say, would you ever wish someone to go through that? I say, oh, God, no, I would never want anyone to have to go through that. Okay, would you want to erase it? Oh, absolutely not. Because that led to all this other growth and everything. Yeah. I just I wouldn't change personally. Same. Yeah. I, I think I could, I could have been better in certain moments. Like, hey, if I had held my tongue in that moment, certainly could. <laughs> uh, there are plenty of those instances. <laughs> uh, look, I've never made a mistake in my life. I have a long line of mistakes I made. I just the concern of if I did that, where would I be now? And I love where I am now.
1: Same. No regrets. What yeah. about you, D-Rex? Any regrets?
2: Not a regret. Maybe something I would have done a little different. Maybe started setting the boundaries maybe sooner in my life than a year ago. But if I had started setting those boundaries, I probably wouldn't have ended up where I did. But and then I guess the other thing is probably not standing up in the middle of the office and calling everybody a bunch of fuckers. Uh, thankfully it worked out okay. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Knock on wood, live and learn also side note you said Mr. Destiny are you talking about the movie
0: yeah you remember oh my movie? god
1: I fucking used to love that movie and nobody knows about this movie
0: I, I bring it up all the time and you're right no one knows they're, about like, it. they're like does that,
1: that, that exist up. and I'm like I swear it does and I even remember going down a rabbit hole of googling it to make sure it existed and that I didn't re- it's a really good movie and especially because at the end he realizes what he had I was, yeah, it yeah, exactly, yeah exactly exactly yeah. highly recommend people google yeah. Mr. Destiny and watch it <laughs>
2: Mr. Destiny. I'll put put a link in the show notes.
1: Yeah. Last question that I have, and it's similar to ones we've talked about already, but what has been the most impactful practice you've used that's made you more self-aware?
0: Yeah, This is not original and it's very cliche, but just the sitting for 10 to 20 minutes each morning. And focusing on my breath, like it's, it's lovely now because my daughter gets up earlier and she sits on my lap for either all of it or half of it, depending when she gets up and, and does it. But this gets back to the people say, how do you fix this? And the whole point of the, these exercises, like you don't fix it. You don't change the underlying biology. You just get better at noticing when these things are happening and to be able to move it from the subconscious to the prefrontal cortex and then make active decisions on. Do I want to spend time doing? Okay. My my default pattern is I'm really worried about missing an email from work. So I'm going to constantly have my phone up. But then I start noticing and say, wait a minute. What is the worst thing that could happen for 30 minutes if I put my car, my, my phone in the car? Okay. And then what's the worst thing that could happen, or the best thing that could happen if I have a pattern where I get 30 minutes with no distraction with my child every day? And I can just get start to notice that consciously and make those decisions and make them better. And so I think that that just focusing that meditation, that breathing, whatever it is, were, again, not Buddha, not perfect, (laughs) but it's made me much more aware when I start to get tense. I'm still not 100% good at holding my tongue, but I'm probably twice as good as I was a year ago and 10 times better than I was five years ago. And so I think that's the thing that's helped me Whether it's be more present, all all of it, I think it has this cascading benefit for me.
1: I love that. What about you, G Rex? I think
2: uh, practicing a lot more self love and self care, just really taking care of myself, realizing that what I do for myself will help me like a hundredfold. Whether it's getting up and going for a walk, spending time with my wife, going outside, anything to just clear my head, I'm thankful I have tools down. That I didn't have a year ago. And so I can, if I feel like I'm getting sad or something, they now have tools to help me come out of it. I'd be happier on the other side. We put a Christmas tree up this year. I'm super excited about it. Planning my office this weekend so I can put a tree in my office. Doing things that make me happy help me find my everyday life. So I love that.
1: I love that. I started going back to something that had worked a long time ago. And- related to that workout thing where as soon as it starts to work, I'm like up, oh, done, cured. But I went back to something that somebody had told me, which was and and it's helped me be more present but also more self aware is to take pictures of things that are that I see that make me happy. If I feel happy in that moment to stop and take a picture of whatever it is. So then I have this album of it's like my happy album. So I started doing that again and that helps.
0: Yeah, see I, I- this is the thing people say, oh, live in the moment, don't take the picture, this and the other. But especially as a parent, going back to some of those pictures, those videos, like, I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love, it. like, in being conscious about how much of that time I will live in the past. You have to say, hey, I'm not living in the past. I'm going to go deliberately take these five minutes and put myself into everything I felt. You know, the yeah, just, I don't know how many months of my daughter's life, every single night we had this routine, right? Where it's, we would play Macklemore's Growing Up, and I would dance with her around the living room, uh-huh. built this Sweet. whole playlist, and then you'd go through Daydream Believer and like all these kinds of things. And then I'd do her bath, and then I'd do her bottle, and then I'd read her a story, and then make up a song that I would sing and put her to sleep just every single night. And, you know, my wife made a couple of videos of those things, and like
1: That's just to cool.
0: be able to be back in that moment. Yeah. I it's to- I'd totally bring out the phone every now and then to do it. I-, I think it's great. Yeah.
2: It's- that's really awesome. So I actually have a question. for me. I'm going to ask Amber first. So Andrew, when you were running your boat, or when you're like, in a funk, like, what do you do for self-love and self-care in that moment?
0: It, yeah, it depends if I can figure out what the cause is. So sometimes it's, I just need to move. And so it could be put on music and go to the gym. It could be jump in and go for a swim. Like it, It's just some kind of movement of, look, I'm feeling I don't know, but I just need to move and go. Sometimes it's, I may have done too much moving and I'm just over-tired and overworked. and try to get a nap in, right? Like, hey, can I lower the bar on what the ask is for me today and get a nap in? Those are probably the two biggest. Make sure I just get playtime with my daughter. Like that's one of those that, her, one of her favorite things are tickle fights. and She takes it so seriously and it's cord points and it's like all this kind of thing. <laughs> but it's just... just Moments of pure bliss and like getting those in to just the world disappears and that's all there is and reminding in those moments, regardless of what else is going on, like there's this, there's always this, and this is totally free and this is here and this is right now and this is my life. And so this is great. And then I think the other thing coming back to what we were talking about before on just writing it down, like what are the things that have me in a funk? And let me just put them down and not necessarily deal with them right now. This is not the day. If I'm in a funk and I have things that are making it more funky, that's a bad combination. Let me just write it down. Like physically, not type it, not put in an account. Like physically write it down. So it's coming off my my short-term memory. It's down. My My brain doesn't feel like it needs to keep playing that movie because it knows I've captured it. And I'll come back to it when I'm in a better state.
2: I like that. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that too. I like it. I would that
0: highly recommend. There's something about physically writing something down, the hand pen to paper to just get it off the mind. So it stops playing that loop and say, I'm going to get to it just not now.
1: Yeah. Like so
2: that. Dirty Skittles, what for you, like what do you do for
1: self-love and self-care when you're, you're in a funk? When I'm in a funk, ooh, I can get in some deep funk So So we were just talking about this the other day. <laughs> We were just talking about this the other day and goes back to like our pre, like our interview part, like when we first met you, Andrew. I don't remember who or how it came up, but like the thought of just walking away from my computer and going outside and being in the outside and like paying attention to other things outside of that little bubble that I had. So I started doing that and just the idea that. When I'm at work, I would always be glued to that computer screen in that seat. I wouldn't even like go and get food. Like I was like there, right? Knowing that I don't have to be there. The world's not going to end if I take 10 minutes because I just need a break. And going outside, being with my dogs, playing in the yard for just a couple of minutes has really improved my that, normal
2: work day. Does that include hanging out with spiders? Or...
1: The spiders are gone. It's too cold now. Okay. they're out of here you should. You should. <laughs> they're in the house now and no, i'm just kidding
2: <laughs> so andrew how do people learn more about you like do you have a website can you, you tell us a little bit about your book things like that
0: yeah yeah so the all things andrew are on the website m i'm also on linkedin certainly connect with me there on instagram m andrew a, a lot of it's around m andrew Not because I go by M. Andrew McConnell versus just Andrew. (laughs) Those are the handles I could get and the website I could purchase. So uh, the author of the book and everything else, go by my middle name. It's a very practical reason that ended up there. But yeah, so the the idea of the book, it's get out of my head, creating modern clarity with stoic wisdom. And there's a bit of a debate with the publisher because I said, "Well, shouldn't we do ancient wisdom? Because there's some Buddhism in here, and there's some Taoism. <laughs> like I don't know, Ryan Holiday moves a lot of books. Let's go with Stoicism. <laughs> so, stoicism is the framework, but it really is pulling from this concept of we can't control the people who walk on the street by our house, right? They, they walk by, us. but we do very proactively decide." Who we want to open our door to and allow them come into our house and sit on our couch and have dinner with us. We we decide that. And our house can get hit by a tornado and get torn up or a hurricane or, you know, earthquake, whatever. The house can fall apart. But the thing that we actually really, really own from birth that we didn't need to borrow money from a bank to buy anything. The thing that we own is our mind. And all thoughts and other people are the exact same. We can't control the subconscious, the things that float by. And go in front but we can if we realize it decide what we want to invite in to live inside and so it it thinks about our mind like real estate hey instead of just giving our mind away to all these things why don't we act like owners and decide who we want to allow in under what terms for how long we want to allow them in and so it uses one, it gets into the kind of evolutionary biology. Why is this? Like, why is that our default state? And there, there's a lot of science behind it. But then two, what do we do about it? And the funny thing on what we do about it, there's a lot of modern science explaining why it works. But what we need to do about it, Mao Zedong, 2,500 years ago, figured out. Siddhartha figured out. The Stoics and ancient Greeks, Socrates, some of them figured out. I don't think it was an accident two to 3,000 years ago. Because it was when we stopped having this brain that worked really well when we were hunters and gatherers, then we started moving into cities and civilizations saying, oh my God, why are we miserable all the time? Like life is so much easier than technically goes was there, but people are so miserable. And it's because our brains were not built for this world. And so all over the world around that time, you had these people coming up with these solutions. They didn't know the science of it. They just knew, wait, these, these practices really make life so much better. Hey, you know what? I don't actually ever get happier when I just accumulate more and more, every time I get more, I want more. Mm-hmm. What? If I subtract from the things I want, I'm happy right now. Wait, I can just decide to be happy with the things I have. Wow. I can do that. <laughs> and Buddha, Lao Tzu, the stoic, they all came to this realization, right? Like they're all these truths. And so it, it illustrates this with my own journey, but also with Olympians, social activists, entrepreneurs, artists, Uh, all different kinds of people, and then has these tactical worksheets and exercises. So what I find is you need your own aha moment. There needs to be some resonance that you see, oh, okay, this applies to me, like that story, that person, I really get that. And so that's why I really try to illustrate it with historical figures and modern figures and all different things so you could see that aha and then put those tactical tools at your fingertips to say, don't just feel the aha. Here's what you can start doing if you want to start living this better life that is yours for the taking. I,
2: love that. I am so I love excited. That. Yeah, so I ordered your book. It'll be here on Wednesday. I and I'm yeah. super excited to read it. Uh,
0: yeah. Same. And, and in the meantime, you know, the the workbook, so the exercises, they're available for free PDF download on the website if you go to mandrewmcdonald.com. So you can get that as a free bonus. And then if you go into Chat GPT and look for Empire of the Mind, that's the there's an AI that will walk you through those exercises, all self-guided.
1: That's awesome. So, so awesome. So awesome. That was wonderful. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. I've learned so much. So thank you. I appreciate it. Was,
0: it. It. it was a lot of fun. I always enjoy catching up with the two of you.
1: Yay. Hi, y'all. Thank you
2: so much for listening to this episode. I'm G-Rex. And I'm Dirty Skittles. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We'd love to listen to
1: your feedback. We can't do this without you guys. It's okay to be not okay. Just make sure you're talking to someone.